So I have a lot of squash. <laughs> that's, that's all. That's the whole story. So now you're home with your giant squash that you acquired on your trip. I I am. So I have this giant squash seeds, but then I bought, so, okay. So I bought giant squash seeds, not knowing they were giant. And then I bought baby squash seeds. So I'm going to have like giant squash and then baby squash. Like they're like going to be little tiny, butter, uh, like little tiny spaghetti squash. And then when I got home, I realized that like, I, girl, I got so many squash seeds. So you know what? It's going to be a lot of squash. But, you know, let's, let's get into what this week's episode is going to be about. Enough about my squash. It's always a lot. Do you have a black thumb? Are you wondering what the word horticulture means? Are you a little bit seedy? A little shady? Do you stand in the garden and wonder, what the f am I doing? Do you look at people's yards and wonder, what the f are they doing? If so, this podcast is for you, no matter your gardening experience level. I'm Shannon. And I'm Marcella, two friends who like to laugh and learn our way through life and gardening. Tune in as we interview some awesome people who talk to us about their love for plants, trees, gardens, bugs, and more. Welcome to CD and Shady AF, a sketchy gardening podcast. Hey, Shannon. Hey, Marcella. So for today's episode, we researched some plants. Each of us researched two plants uh, with unique uses. So we're going to talk to each other and to you all about what we found in our research. And yes, it's it's a really good segue because coming up next week, we actually have somebody who's a like professional that's going to be talking to us about medicinal plants. And I will just say, I will give a caveat and a disclaimer from our, our legal team that we are not doctors or specialists or experts at any of these things that we are saying. We like pull right. them off of the interwebs, um, just plants that were interesting to us. So please try nothing that we say at home and say that we said it was right. Yes. We, we and not. by research, we mean Google. So again, yes, please. This is not cleared by the FDA. Do not, do not come for us when you try it's, this and you get a rash on your butt. Yes, this is purely for entertainment purposes. So <laughs> with that, with that, Marcella can go ahead and get started because I, of course, forgot what the what the assignment was because I'm not good at this and I think I did it right. But I only have one plant. Marcella has two. So we'll get started <laughs> with one of Marcella's. All right. Sounds good. Um, so I actually took notes this time. Last time we did this, I didn't take any notes. So my first plant that I researched is actually um, native to Colombia. In fact, um, and I, I think you guys have heard me talk about it um, on past episodes, my family is from Colombia. And so every chance I get, I try to research things from there. So this is the National Tree of Colombia. It is called the Ceroxylon kindiense, um, which with a common name of uh, Palma de Cera. And then in English, that's the Quindio wax, wax palm. And so this is found in the eastern and central Andes Mountains. And it's home to the endangered species um, of the yellow-eared parrot. And what I found really cool about this tree um, is that the trunk is actually made of wax. Oh, so, dear. yeah. And so the wax from this, this palm is actually made, used to make candles. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so um, the other the other stuff that I found about it when I was researching is that it, it actually it's, it grows in a mountainous region, which is not common for for palm trees. So for this type of tree, it's it's pretty unusual for it to grow in the environment that it's growing in. So they're actually an endangered species. And 
A lot of what we know about it comes from the research of a Dr. Bernal, who was doing research back in the 90s. And the other part that was really interesting about this is that, again, it was in, it's in danger, so there's not that many in, in the region. But they knew that there was some in the Tochecito River Basin. And in order to get there, they actually had to drive through areas that were controlled by the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. So for a while, they couldn't really do a lot of studying because it was super dangerous to get to where they were. So here, in recent years, they have been able to, to get where they are. So scientists are studying more and more about them. And they're actually studying a rare phenomenon where the tree actually switches sexes. So it's one of the few species of trees and plants that do this. I, I, I would just stop you there and say for a minute that this tree has a lot going on. It has so much going on. I'm telling you. So that's what I was researching. I was like, oh my, okay, this is, I got to talk about this. So much happening with this tree. It's one of the tallest, I'm going to butcher this word, monocotyledons or monocots for short, which are basically just grass or grass-like flowering plants in the world. And the trunk is smooth and covered in wax. The leaves are dark green and gray. And it's believed to be the second tallest tree in the world next to the California sequoias. Um, in addition to making candles from the trunk, from the wax on the trunk, um, it's also called a palma de ramos. Um, and so when I was growing up, Shannon, my mom used to take us to, um, the on the Sunday before uh, uh, Easter, she used to take us to church for Palm Sunday, which was um, Domingo de Ramos. And so they actually used to use the leaves from this palm for Palm Sunday, for the Palm Sunday Catholic uh, uh, ceremonies. So um, currently it's cultivated mostly as an ornamental plant. Um, and like I said, it's found primarily in Colombia, but it can also be found in California. Makes sense. Sounds like, sounds, yeah, that sounds like that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I think I covered everything. Very cool. And what was it called one more time? It's the Palma de Cera. Palma de Cera. Um, nice. Palma de Cera, also known as the Kindio Wax Palm. All right. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's actually, it's kind of kind of have a good segue into my my plant because my plant, your plant is dangerous because you have to go through rebel country to find it. My yeah. plant is dangerous because if you eat it, it will probably kill you. But oh shoot, <laughs> the lot going on with this one too. No, yes. so I, I actually came about this this plant that I'm going to discuss. I am in a couple of Facebook groups about gardening, and so typically people will just throw up photos and be like, "Hey, I found this in my yard. What is this plant?" Type thing that happens all the time. So there was a photo posted in one of my gardening groups, and somebody was like, "Hey, what is this plant?" So immediately it kind of set off this whole like a whole bunch of comments that were interesting that like led me to figure more about it. So the plant is called the pokeweed, P-O-K-E-Weed, huh. pokeweed. And it is considered evasive by some. Some people actually use it for food, which I found really interesting. So just in my research, I found out that the American pokeweed is a member of the Phytolacca family genus. And pokeweed is really interesting because it has a fascinating history and it's important for many cultural and culinary and medicinal uses. And so according to the U.S. Forest Service, um, American pokeweed is a species of open or edge habitats, which means that it's found along forest edges and fence rows under power lines and pastures and fields and open forests, especially anywhere where birds roost. It's very important to birds. So yeah, 
it's literally everywhere it's literally is what everywhere I'm where birds are and where <laughs> birds are yes exactly and so um as was mentioned in some of the comments in the the facebook group uh, when i was searching on the U university of florida's website they also refer to it as being a weed and so this pokeweed is found everywhere in the united states from washington down to California, throughout Arizona, New Mexico, on the Atlantic coast, up to Nebraska, Minnesota, Maine, it's everywhere. And it's even in uh, some parts of Canada. And so the Phytolaca um, genus contains about 25 species, and they kind of range from herbs to shrubs to tall trees. There's two native species of pokeweed that are recognized in North America, and one is found across much of North America, like we just said. Um, and it's also here in Texas. Um, so the kind of cool thing about it is that the entire plant is poisonous. And it can cause death awesome. in some rare cases. Wait, didn't you just say it was edible? So yes, I am gonna get to that part. So it's it's neat because okay. it is poisonous. It can cause death. Um, especially the berries are very, very poisonous. The young leaves and the stems, when properly cooked, properly being the operative word, being none of us talking or listening know how to cook it. So that's not um it's edible. And it's also a good source of protein, fat, and carbohydrate. Um, you may notice, like some people in the South call it poke salad. Some people call it a poke berry. It has different names. But what I did go back and 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 realize that throughout history, especially in the Deep South, um, people use this as food a lot. Even when I was on the yeah, when I was on the Facebook page, people were talking about how their ancestors and their grandparents, and even now, people still utilize this for food. Um, there's even some festivals that happen in different areas of the country where they celebrate this food. So people who know how to cook it do um the another cool thing about it is that the name phyto phytolaca if i'm saying that correct the name of the genus actually means red dye plant and so according to the unit die, die wait wait not wait like so die, like kill you like it's a red d-y-e okay plant, but you could also <laughs> okay. d-i-e if you don't know what you're doing so, <laughs> that's what I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yes. And so according to the University of Florida, again, the berries contain a red dye that you, is used to color wine, candles, cloth, and paper. Hmm. And another cool thing about this plant is uh, I talked about how it's found kind of uh, grows kind of along these areas where lots of birds roost. The fruit is a very important food for mockingbirds, northern cardinals, and morning doves. They're not toxic to it. And some small mammals also eat it that have no, they, they don't, they're not bothered by the poison, but humans, children, dogs, pets are. So if you have it, be careful, but it was a neat, a neat plant. That is really neat. And I like, I, I kind of want to, I mean, I guess I just kind of want to know, like, how, how did that go? Like, how did we learn it was edible? How did we learn how to cook it? You know, um, you know it's really interesting. I'm not, so many questions. I'm not certain, right? And so I, I didn't really go into that deep into it, but I, I think I will. But for the purpose of this episode, I was trying to give wave tops to kind of pique a little bit of interest of this plant. But when I was reading about it and kind of seeing the most pictures, I see I saw a lot of pictures of what looked like it may have come from people who were enslaved people in the south. In, in the south, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if there was mm -hmm. anybody else or Native Americans or anyone else cooking this, but the pictures that I saw and some of the history I saw seemed to um, hark back to a little bit of that culture of that was brought over and people in the South um, that came from enslaved culture, people kind of grew this. And so I imagine that like my great, I imagine that my grandmother and great grandmother probably would know what this is. Actually, if I asked my mom, um, who, cause I grew up in the South, I imagine that she would also be very familiar with this. Cause when I asked people who are from that part of the world, Southern Georgia, Florida, they, they were like, oh yeah, yeah. North Carolina, like, yeah, we eat this. And so, and it's mostly people gotcha. of color, but it's probably people of all that know it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very interesting. That is really very interesting. 
Um, so I'm going to take a little departure from the deadly plants. Um, and actually, I don't know if this one's deadly or not. But um, so the next one that I researched um, is called a mimosa pudica. I'm probably not saying that right. Also known as a sensitive plant, a sleepy plant, humble plant, a touch me not or shame plant. Have you heard it by any of those names I would names say before? that you said it's not a killer plant, but it's also called the touch me not. So I don't know. <laughs> so the reason that it's called the touch me not is because whenever it is touched or shaken or blown on in any way, um, the leaves are seen to contract a little bit. So it's almost like it closes itself up. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's also known as the shy plant. Um, so it's native to the Caribbean and South and Central America. It's also found in Southern U.S., South Asia, East Asia, um, and in some of these places, it's considered invasive. So in some places, it's actually ornamental, and in some places, it's actually invasive. Um, so again, it's known for its leaves folding inward and drooping when touched or shaken. The young plants have strong, erect stems, um, which become creeping or trailing with age. So what really fascinated me about this plant is that it kind of reminded me of like like what we do as humans. And this is probably what like all plants do. But um, part of what what's so interesting about this is that they have actually studied the plant's movements because it seems to react to its environment around it, um, most obviously. So um, it's bipinately compound, um, which I learned means that basically just has symmetrical leaves on either side of a of a little of a little stem. Um, in midsummer, it grows a it grows a flower, a really pretty flower that's like purplish or pinkish. Um, but it lives less than a day. The flower itself. Um, so that those movements that they study in this particular plant are known as seismonastic movements, which occur again when they're touched, warmed, blown, or shaken. So they believe that it, it may be a reflex that may have evolved as a defense mechanism um, against predators um, or shade to, to preserve its water supply. Um, so in some places it's used as ground cover and for tropical plants, it's actually more of a weed. It can be eaten by livestock, but sometimes can be toxic. So actually, it does have something in common with the last one we were talking about. <laughs> and it's actually been studied along with the Venus flytrap, which also um, you know, seems to react to its environment. And mm -hmm. so they use it to research um, and study the process of habituation and memory. What they realized with this plant is that um, after a while of being um, exposed to the same stimulus over and over again, it actually stops responding to it. So um, which that that's that's what habituation is. It's, it's when you stop responding to the same stimulus because you learn that it's not harmful to you. So I thought that was super interesting. That is. I think you get a gold star on this assignment. Thank you. <laughs> I kind of want to go and get one. Like I would like, like I thought this was this was just really really interesting. And I the pictures, the pictures that you can you you can see like, and and I, I wonder how fast this happens. Of course, I didn't dive that deep into it, but yeah, you can see the leaves like actually moving in response to the environment around it. So it's it's just really cool. And oh, the other thing that I learned about this is that they also have noted that there's differences in the way the leaves look like when it's dark outside versus when it's light outside they call that like like the plant is sleeping basically um uh, so super interesting oh. yeah yes it is i'm excited i know that's I how i felt yesterday when i was on things. google <laughs>
Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I want to thank everybody for being with us today and listening to our cool plans. I'm going to be back next week and we have a really cool episode coming up with uh, talking to an expert who's going to talk to us even more about medicinal uses for plants and psych and psychotic. Psych- wait, psychedelics. Not psychotics. That's not <laughs> psychedelics. Psychedelics. <laughs> I'm like psychotics, psycho- psychotropics, psychedelics. He's going to be talking to us about medicinal plants and psychedelics. So that's going to be cool. So definitely join us next week for that one. Absolutely. Thanks for listening. This has been the CD and Shady AF podcast. Thanks to all the peas in our pod for listening. We believe in you and we believe in your plants. Follow us for more shenanigans on Instagram at CD and Shady Pod. Until next time, stay seedy, stay shady. And remember, sketchy gardening is still gardening. <laughs>